Hey friends, welcome to the Blackhawks recap for game two. I'm CJ Hawk. I'm going to go over the Blackhawks Oilers game two recap, just like I did for game one. I want to get these done and released fast. That's why it definitely seems like they're going to be released in succession, so two days in a row, because game three is going to be tomorrow, Wednesday, August 5th. So I need to get this episode released before Wednesday afternoon so people can have a chance to listen to this or watch it for like 10 minutes before game three so they know what's going on with the Blackhawks. So let's delve into the recap. So the Blackhawks played pretty well game one. I thought there was some pluses, minuses. Jonathan Tays looked great. He was able to pick apart that Oilers defensive line. There was the line that was going to guard him. Uh, Dominic Kubelik also played fantastically. He had five points in his playoff debut. Two goals, three assists. He looked amazing, the young rookie. Some other guys looked good. Dylan Strom, he had that first goal. He wasn't maybe great the whole game, but he had that first goal, which got us back in it after we could have given up. But he got us back in it right away. Game two, the story was similar. We fell behind early, just like game one. This time we fell behind 19 seconds into the game. We fell behind one to zero. When the Oilers won the faceoff, got the puck, got it passed around, and Connor McDavid got past our defense and banked it in 19 seconds into the game. So he fell behind 1-0 immediately. Basically, I barely had time to sit down when we already were behind 1-0. And then a few minutes later, probably around the 16th minute or so, Connor McDavid yet again picked apart this d- defense. He got past us easily, got a second goal of the game in the first period, only three minutes in. So Connor McDavid, 2. Blackhawks, 0. And finally, the Blackhawks did, in fact, get on the board a few minutes later when Patrick Kane got an awesome goal. And there's some good passing from Slater Cuckoo. He had a good pass. Alex Dabrinkit had a good pass as well. Both of them are credited with assists. Patrick Kane was left wide open and banked it in, which he's done so many times throughout his Hall of Fame-level career. So 2-1, all years now. That's where it stand after one period. Our defense buckled down. It looked horrible the first five minutes. They played a little bit better, I would say, easily for the first period. Crawford made some good saves. The offense wasn't getting very many scoring opportunities for the Blackhawks. We did get that one for Patrick Kane. We had some okay shots on goal that got blocked by the goalie for the Oilers. And like I said... At the end of the last part, part one, I talked about how Mike Smith, he was in the net game one, allowed five goals. Would he be gone? And yes, indeed, the Oilers benched Mike Smith and put in Miko Koskinen, a veteran, their backup. He started, and he played far better than Mike Smith. He was not flawless by any means, but he played a lot better than Mike Smith. So I think they'll definitely go with Miko Koskinen for game three. I don't know why they would start Mike Smith again. Because can they trust him after the game one debacle? 
he does have experience, but I think they should just go with Miku Koskinen, even though obviously I'm a Blackhawks fan. I want the Blackhawks to win, but I can't be stupid and say Mike Smith deserves to start. So 2-1 after 1, went to the second period. Right away, the Oilers score yet again very early on when their guy on the team, Kyler, Yamamoto had a good pass. The guy who scored, Tyler Ennis, he had a great shot on goal to put us, the Oilers had 3-1. to one. So Tyler Ennis, good shot on goal, went in, 3-1 Oilers. Blackhawks did manage to score two times in the se- second period, so we looked a lot better than the first offensively. Our defense buckled down. We only allowed... Basically, two goals, but for most of the period, it was 3-1. We got back in it, tied it up at 3. Then immediately the Oilers scored again, which was very annoying. We'll get to that soon. So, Hector Kane had his goal early on. Then we saw a great one by Slater Kukuku. He had an assist on Patrick Kane's goal. He got his goal of his own. Beautiful goal by Slater to make us down 3-2. Then later in the period, Olimata kind of got a lucky one where it bounced off another guy, bounced off his stick, went into the net past Koskinen to tie it up at 3. That was late in the second period. And Olimata, at this point, I think he would have been benched if he had not scored. That is definitely what Blackhawks Talk podcast, NBC Sports Chicago, Pat Boyle and Scott, they mentioned Oyamata was destined to be benched. He wasn't playing very well, but he got this goal, and I agreed with that. And, yeah, so it's tied up. But, of course, the Blackhawks played poor on power play, 0 for 4 in the game. Penalty kill, they played far better than game 1, where they allowed three goals of the four were on penalty kills, which is abysmal. That cannot happen. And I was talking with my friend, Frank. We both were watching the game live at our respective homes, talking about the goals, what we were angry about. And we both said we were scared when it was tied up at three and the Oilers got on a power play. We were scared that the Blackhawks would allow a goal. And right when we said that, probably, I don't know, a couple seconds later, yes, indeed, they scored. To tie it up, give them the lead. Four to three. So Oilers four free lead over the Blackhawks. Connor McDavid got his hat trick. He had three goals, three points. And it was kind of fun because since there's no fans in Edmonton, some employees, NHL employees, came down with hats and threw them onto the ice. So even though there was no fans, they still did the classic where they have when somebody gets a hat trick, they throw the hats on, which I thought was good at gesture and smart, even though there's no fans, why not still do it? Because I read an article that on the Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes game, a guy got a hat trick, but they weren't ready for that. So there was no hats, but they got ready for it for the next opportunity. And yes, indeed, they got to do that when Carmack David got a hat trick. So Oilers up 4-3. to three. Move on to the final period. I think once the Blackhawks fell behind 4-3, to three, to be honest, the defense just exploded, imploded, kind of like... It's too late. We lost. Even though they're only down one goal and had 
whole 20 minutes left. But the defense kind of collapsed. The offense couldn't do anything. So the Blackhawks ended up losing 6-3. to three. And Alex Chiazian got a goal for the Oilers late in the game. And James Neal also got a goal late in the game as well. So the Oilers won 6-3. to three. And you could say, was Corey Crawford abysmal? I don't think so, per se. Was he great? No. But a few of these goals, I'd say two or three of them, were his fault. Like, for example, probably the first one by Carl McDavid, the defense kind of collapsed and he wasn't ready. So I'll give him the mistake on that one. But not all of them were his fault of the six, at least two or three. My friend Frank and I agreed that probably two or three of them were his fault. The other three or four were not. I think I'll go a three. So I'll say three of them were his fault, three were not. The defense didn't give him any help. Some of these guys looked completely lost out there defensively. For example, Adam Boquist looked lost. He did not play well defensively. I don't know if he should be guarding Connor McDavid. He's been on the same line defensively when Connor McDavid's been out there, and he's failed. So I think Boquist should be moved to a different pairing, not have to see McDavid. And some other guys who played horribly... Alexander Nylander played so bad. I think he deserved to be benched for Game 3. I don't think he should be starting. He played horribly. One of the goals was completely 100% his fault. Lost control of the puck, turned it over. Oilers took advantage, scored it in. And those were the big failures. Alexander Nylander and Boquist played poor. Some guys who played better. Where Kirby Doc looked very well. I think they should give, keep giving him more minutes. Patrick Kane finally got a goal and assist, so he played better in the game one where he was kind of didn't really do anything. To bring it looked good with his passing. He's not a big man, so defensively, that's not his strength, but offensively, he looked far better today, yesterday. Slater Cuckoo looked fine. Olimata, besides his goal, was pretty was pretty bad. And some guys who were good. Matthew Highmore defensively was good. Ryan Carpenter defensively was good. Duncan Keith was alright. Dominic Kubelik was wasn't as good as game one. I don't know what happened, but he's played a lot lot in less intensity. Wasn't as good as game one. John Quenneville was okay. He came in for a few minutes, played okay. Bransad was fine. Taze. Basically, the Oilers' defense got to buck, like cage him in, buckle him in. So instead of game one where he was had two goals, looked fantastic, they basically shut him down 100%. So Taze was minimized, and that hurt us a lot because Taze was a big offensive threat in game one. Game two, he disappeared. And yeah, so basically the goals for game three are try to stop Conor uh, McDavid from scoring, he scored four goals so far. He's been lighting us up. If we can't stop him, it's pretty much over, in my view. Corey Crawford needs some help. He's had some mistakes. He's made mistakes. But the defense has made a lot of mistakes that have hurt him big time. So it's not all on his shoulders. Not 100% Corey Crawford's fault. And so now it's going to game three. So this will be a home game, even though it's not really because there's no fans, so it doesn't really affect the play level of play. 
I don't really think so. So, I mean, guess if you want to say their Blackhawks are at home, so they switch to the different jersey colors, could that make them play better? I don't know, but maybe. <laughs> yep, so Oilers and Blackhawks tied at one in the series, best of five. And a lot of times, in regards to winner of series, the team that wins game three has a big chance to win it up the series, which makes sense because they'll be ahead two to one. So that will give them an advantage because the team on our team has to win two games, whereas the team ahead two to one only has to win one in a best of five. So if the Blackhawks win tomorrow, big advantage. Oilers win tomorrow, big advantage. And I think if the Blackhawks could win game three, Frank and I have both said if Blackhawks win game three, we think it's going five game, five game series. But we both said that we also that if the Oilers win game three, we think it might be over, might be only four game series. Because uh I don't know. The Blackhawks play inconsistent. That's why I have it going five, because I think if we could win game three, we'd probably lose game four, then win in five, hopefully. But we'll have to see. Will the Blackhawks advance? Will the Edmonton Oilers advance? There's more pressure on the Oilers, obviously, because people expect them to make it farther in the playoffs than the Blackhawks. People expect Carmack McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the Hart Trophy frontrunner, to play very well. Speaking of, Leon Dreisaitl did not play well at all in this game, too. He was just gone. He disappeared defensively. He didn't get on net and no shots on goal. Blackhawks managed to stop him but they could not stop Connor McDavid. So basically, from what it seems, if they stop, if they have to stop both of them to have success, because let's say that Connor McDavid shut down game three, what happens if Leon Dreisaitl has a hat trick of his own? That'll hurt us. But McDavid's probably been the best player for the Oilers so far. And for the Blackhawks, I'm not sure. I'd probably say... Yeah, I don't know. I probably guess I'd probably go still with Dominic Kubelik for his Game 1 performance, but there hasn't been a guy so far, in my view, that has looked great Game 1 and 2 offensively. Defensively, some of his guys have looked fine. Some have looked horrible. But we'll have to see. So, Game 3, tomorrow night, late in Edmonton yet again, win the nighttime games. And Eddie Olchek and talked about, and fully talked about how since it's like the third game at night in the ice, there have been free games played in a succession. Will that hurt like the level of the ice? Will like the pucks go faster, slower? And that's interesting to look at, to talk about. Yeah, so game three coming up soon. Blackhawks, Oilers. Some series that look like they're probably getting ready to close are Hurricanes Rangers. I think that's ending tonight. I think Hurricanes sweep the Rangers. They've looked far better. I don't think they lose. And Jets-Flames is tied at one, just like Blackhawks Oilers. So the winner of Game 3, give them a big advantage. Hopefully it's the Flames. And then some other ones, Coyotes-Predators, Game 2. Blue Jackets may play Game 2. Panthers-Islanders, Game 2 is on right now. Islanders are winning 3-2, but there's still a whole period basically left. And the Wild Canucks game one tonight. So we'll have to see if the Canucks bounce back or the Wild, the underdogs, they really pull off this miracle upset. We'll have to see. 
before the series, I said, were the Canucks real? Was that that was one of like talking points? And they've shown me they have not real so far. So we'll see. Will they win game two or will they lose? Yeah, so thanks for listening to this fast recap of game two of the Blackhawks, Oilers, qualifying round playoff series, best of five. See you next time for the recap of game three, which to, I think that should probably be released tomorrow night or Thursday. Either one of those days, we'll see. Because tomorrow is Wednesday, and I think DJ Venable and I do our big recording. So like the big episode of the week will take place Wednesday. And thanks. Talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your day here on Tuesday. And see you. Talk to you soon.